Open your Bible, if you would, with me to Jude. So John uh, read a passage that had some, un- some unpleasantness in it, some difficult things to hear read, to read, to realize. Sin is terrible. Sin is deadly and hurtful to all. God is not the author of sin. He's the only one fit to judge it. He's the only one that understands what's really going on in the hearts and minds of everyone. The thoughts and intents, plural, of the heart. God knows them. Yours, mine. He knows them. He knows the difference between those who desire to be forgiven, to walk in the light, to be, to be honest. To be, he knows that, and he knows those that are pretending. He knows the difference between all of those things, and he judges accordingly. If you live a perfect life, good for you. Since none of us have, not good for us. But God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Perish is what we deserve. Perish is what we've earned. But not as what we deserve, so is the gift. The gift is free. It's not earned. And, and you, through one flaw, are guilty. And trust me, you don't have one flaw. But the gift covers all of the offenses. All of them. Right? All of them. The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If you're really a child of God, you know, then praise God, it's, it is finished. Indeed. Uh, as uh, finished the victory cry. Now we just have new life. And some of you, many of you, most of you, are all, all of you, honestly, are just in different places. If you're really a new creature, you're not in the same place as anybody else. By the way, you're not in the same place you were yesterday. One of the things that I've begun to realize is I've, I do not understand. I was just talking to somebody recently. I forget how little I knew at the age of some of the people that I'm talking to when I'm talking to them. And I don't consider always that they don't know what I'm saying when I'm saying something. In other words, they only have a limited vocabulary of understanding and a limited amount of life's experiences. And so when you make a statement to them that is, that is a somewhat mature, learned, experienced statement, they look at you and they think, well, I should nod because I probably should understand what they're saying because they said it like it was really important. How many of you have ever done that to somebody? Oh, yeah, that sounds really important what you're saying right there. I remember, again, when Bob Bornfleth, when I was a baby Christian, Bob Bornfleth would come to me, and Bob Bornfleth is a very austere, reserved man. So for him to be bubbly was odd. And every now and then he'd come with his Bible open, and he would say, Chuck, look at this. And he would show me something, and he'd go into great detail, and he'd start flipping pages, and he'd be all excited. And I'd look at him, and I'd say, that's nice. And then, you know, three years later, I'd be in my uh, bedroom or wherever I was reading my Bible, and I'd be reading that passage, and I'd suddenly say, oh, Bob, that's awesome, you know what I'm saying? And he'd be, you know, a little late, Chuck, you know what I'm saying? But uh, we are where we are, right? We are where we are. Jude, chapter 1, Jude, chapter Jude, Jude, verse 1. 
Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Now we've seen this. We don't have time to. We can't teach the same thing every single week. But it's important when we go back and we look at Saul's life and the miserable, selfish failure that's there that we recognize this is a real-life incident that helps us to understand the context of what we're going to read in verses 4 through 7. But it's, it is necessary that we understand this because the people who would take the Word of God and teach it as if part of it matters, but they can add to it stuff that they want to add to it, or just take away stuff that they want to take away. And they would tell you that God said it is not okay that they would do that. It is not okay for anybody to do that. But you'll notice in verses 1 and 2, and the beginning of verse 3, the word beloved occurs. And what, you, what God wants you to understand is this. And we see, let's go to the very end of it. Let's go to the end of the, all of this, right? In verse 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and ever. Amen. Amen? So here we are at the beginning the children of God. Here we are at the end, the children of God. In the middle, there are the pretenders that they are the children of God. And those that would negatively impact, influence, lie to, deceive, hurt in any way by adding or taking away from the word that God has given us and making us captive to their opinion. And God said, I will not hold them faultless for this. There is terrible judgment in you or I taking upon ourselves to say, no, 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 God's not actually saying that. What he's actually saying is blah, 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 yak, yak, yak. Let the word of God by itself, just the word of God by itself stand in your heart and mind. Amen? Again, if I am, if I am doing what I should be doing this morning, when I'm done, you should have great confidence in, in the word of God and in the God who gave you this word. That's it. But starting in verse 3, beloved, I, when I gave all diligence, again, remember, boy, I sure wanted to just write about the common salvation, but it was needful for me to write unto you in the middle of verse 3 and exhort you that you earnestly, you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. In other words, that which was di delivered, go stay there. Stay there, contend for it, don't depart from it. For there are, not there might be, not there could be, not you need to look out, it's possible that someday there will be, there are certain men crept in unawares. Crept in unawares. That, now again, crept in unawares is not a kicking the door down kind of a thing. It's a very deceptive, sneaky thing. And it would come from someone that you'd say, I would never have expected that person to be the one deceiving me like that. Because what will happen is if they're, if they're clever and creepers are clever, they will befriend you and buddy up to you and then say, oh, well, the Bible, I mean, that part's not really true. Or I have a word from God for you on top of that. That's the kind of thing that happens. What do you do? 
And here's the good news. You, by the way, we're going to go back and we're going to see it. What was Samuel's heart attitude when Saul was not following the will of God and was, quote unquote, making it up for himself and for the people? What was, Saul's, what was Samuel's heart attitude towards Saul? What was his heart attitude? He, he wept for him. He wept for him. All night long, he wept for him. And yet when he went to see him, he said, then what's the bleeding of sheep? Because you were given a command. See, what it says, it started, it says, verse 4 says, there are people crept in unawares, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. We're going to come back and look at this more and more. He says, I would, that, verse 5, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew to how the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that what? Believe not. Now, they did believe. Did they not believe? Left, right? Did they, they, look, if they left, they put blood on the door, they, right? They hid behind the blood, behind the door, and they survived. And then it was time to go. That, it was that time to go the next day. That's the day that Pharaoh said, all right, look, I'm an idiot. You got to go, right? And then after he let him go, he said, I'm an idiot. I should have let him go. And then he said, I'll chase him down, and I'll just destroy him. They may not ever serve us again, but they're not going to be on their own. They're not going to be free. One of the greatest things that comes from that is this. Once God sets you free, you're free. Your past cannot chase you down anymore. It can, but it's going to get washed in the Red Sea. It's going to get swallowed up whole. Amen. Please don't let the, again, I know you've read it many, many times. It's a, it's a very clever meme, but there's a lot of truth in it. The next time Satan reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. So look, look, that's all true, but mine's under the blood and you're in trouble. So you can give as much of a heart. By, by the way, I have said many times out loud, if, if Satan really wants to give me a hard time, I've got a better list than he has. Look, look, this is really what's true about me. You understand? This is what's really true in my heart of hearts. And the Lord Jesus, I love the woman at the well. Come meet a man that knows everything about me. See, that's salvation. Come meet a man that knows everything about me. Not everything that you know about me. Not everything that everybody else knows about me. Come meet a man that knows everything about me. And still said, I will die for you. That's our Savior. That's the people in verses 1 and 2, in verses 24 and 25. But not so many that go to church. It says they left, but they were afterwards destroyed because they didn't believe. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness, unto the judgment of that great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So there, in, in this, and we may come back maybe even next week and start looking at these actual things. So there are three groups here, but what they all have in common is this. They were not what they were created to be. They were not what they were created to be. They were not even what they were supposed to be. In many cases, they were not what they pretended to be. But God knows. Now, turn with me, if you would, to the passage that John was looking at um, for us in 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, chapter 15. 1 Samuel, chapter 15. We begin in verse 9. You say, why didn't we begin in verse 1? And because it would have been nine more verses. 
But Saul, and, we, and again, I really want you to see what's happening. So let's just lay the context. You go back and confirm it yourself. It's always important that you, be a, you personally be a Berean. Go search the scriptures whether these things be true or not. I, I never have any intent to mislead you or to lie to you or to, or to change anything to make my sermon clever or be able to prove a point that I want to prove because I really, truly fear that God would be not okay with it and that I would really, really be um, punished severely by the Lord in the, in, a, in the appropriate way, whatever that means. And uh, by the way, uh, nobody can give an appropriate discipline like God can. <clears throat> so they've been told to dest- utterly destroy a wicked kingdom. And Saul has led the people, and they have gone to war, and they are completely victorious, but they do not fulfill what God told them to do, right? So it says, but Saul, verse 9 says, but Saul. You know, I said, look up here, this is important. The, 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 perhaps the greatest phrase in your entire Bible is two words, but God, but God. I would say that it may be true always, but I, in every aspect, every time I've ever seen, but God, something good's about to happen. Typically something terrible is going on, but something great's about to happen. However, if you take that same phrase, but, and then put a man's name, a woman's name, or just they, or Israel, or whatever, Almost always something terrible is about to happen. Here's here's the truth. The truth is God continues to deliver, and you and I continue to mess things up. Okay? But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was vile and, and, and refuse that they utterly destroyed. In other words, they decided what to keep and what not to keep. That wasn't what they were told to do. They were told to utterly destroy everything, but they'd made a decision about what they were going to keep and what they were not going to keep. Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repented me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he hath turned back from following me. Now, I want you to underline this in your Bible. And hath not performed my commandments. Underline that. Hath not performed my commandments. Because I want you to notice when you get down to verse 13, this is what Saul's going to say when he meets Samuel. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Well, somebody's wrong. Somebody's lying. Somebody's off. Now, everybody, please look up here. It's not for you to decide what parts of the Bible you're going to let have an impact upon your life. It's not. It's for God to speak to your life through the Word of God. Amen. Now, let me say this. There's a difference. I, I, I would, you know, let's just pick, because Amelia's sitting here, so I'll pick Amelia. So I don't know what Amelia understands about, insert name of doctrine here, but all she can do is walk in the light as she understands the light, as it's given to her. That's all she can do. Can you be wrong about something in the Word of God and be right with God? Well, I hope so, right? Honestly, because I'm quite confident that none of us, since the Bible says we know in part and we prophesy in part, that none of us has a perfect understanding of the Word of God. None of us has a perfect understanding. But when you know that you know and you decide, no, I'm just going to kind of cover that part. I don't want to do that. Now God knows that too. 
And here's the good news. If you're a child of God, the Bible makes it very clear that you become very, very sick. It's a Romans chapter 7 experience, right? Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? In other words, I've been trying in my own strength to do that which I want to do, to think I should do, but I'm clouding this up and I'm making a mess out of all this. And God says, that's okay. There's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. But if you walk after the flesh, God is going to say to you, you are walking after the flesh. Stop it. You know who's going to know? You. Maybe nobody else. You'll know. God knows. And you know God knows. In fact, in 1 John, it says, if my heart condemns me, God is greater than my heart. So if I know I'm wrong and I have any intelligence at all, I can, I can say, well, if I know I'm wrong, then God knows that I'm wrong. In fact, he's already been talking to me about the fact that I'm wrong. And I need to repent. I need to confess that I'm wrong. And again, there's something Dr. Sell said many, many years ago, which has been a tremendous help to many people, and that is this. Keep short accounts with God. Just as soon as God says, you're, you're lying, you're lying, and you know it. See, here's the thing about lying. You don't have to say anything to lie. Yes? No? Watch kids. Him and ha. Say something about everything. Say something that has nothing to do with the question. Right? Did you do that? It's a nice day outside. Right? They know they're lying, and God knows they're lying. I, children, your parents know you're lying also. Okay? And yet we get older, and we do the exact same thing with God. Lord, I'm really having a hard time in my life in this. And he says, no, you're not. You're really having a hard time in your life right here. That's why this is going the way it is. This is the problem. And you say, no, Lord, that's not so. And he says, oh, one of us is lying. And guess which one of us it is. But, but, it says, if we will confess our sins, he is, isn't that wonderful, faithful. How many times can I confess my sin and God says, okay, let's, let's go. Let's go forward, right? If you will confess your sin, he is faithful and what? Because of the blood, he can, you know, as Bobby Kent McKinney sings a song, just as just as Jesus, the justifier, amen? I am just because my justifier is just. The one who shed his blood for me is just. Therefore, because by faith I have come under the blood, I am just also, amen? But I still must acknowledge my sin or I will have the chastising judgment of God upon me. Not go to hell forever judgment of God upon you. You can't if you're a child of God because your sins are forgiven, amen? But God can say, no, we're going to get this right, though. We're going to set this straight, though. You're not going to be dishonest and get away with it. And you say, how many of you would let your children be dishonest and get away with it? You know, there's a song. I, I don't remember when it came out. I remember it must have, maybe the 80s. It was called, it was, I don't know what the title was. I, the, the part I remember is, tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies, right? Tell me lies, tell me sweet little, there are no sweet little lies. They're deadly killing lies. That's what there are. Again, I go back to the fact that I'm so tired of people saying, well, that's your truth. No, that's the truth. Again, you have your opinion, I have my opinion. You can say, well, that's your opinion. Fine, that's fine. But don't tell me that it's my truth. Now listen, if it's my truth, it has no more value than if it's your truth. But if it's the truth, now we've got something. And God is the only, Jesus is the way, the truth, 
and the life. No man cometh unto the Father by. I'm telling you, it is so wonderful when it's just this simple. Trust Jesus. Trust the, and here's the thing. Let me say this. There are many Jesuses in the pulpits of America and throughout the world. Just trust this one, Amen. right? Not the one of your imagination. By the way, let me say this. Uh, Rachel's not here this morning, but she would be comfortable with me saying this. When Rachel got saved, Rachel Cromwell, her name wasn't Cromwell then, but when she got, when she got saved, she said to me the day that God was dealing with her, tell me what to do and I will do it. And what I said to her was this, then I would just be the next person in line that told you what to do. You need to do what God wants you to do. But listen, it was more than that. I said, but I believe you're going to have to learn who God isn't before you can learn who God is. Because so many people that went to church when they were younger know a God that is not the God of the Bible. They know a God that is the God of the pulpit that they listened to for many weeks. And unfortunately, they're not the same thing. I cannot overstate, I cannot overstate how important it is to all of you that you know the living and the true God, not the one that churches make up. You understand? Now, again, I, Tidewater Baptist Church is a church. I believe we are a God-ordained church. I believe I'm a God-ordained pastor, but I am a God-ordained pastor that only cares about this, that you trust the real Jesus that you trust the real word of God and that everything that we would do, that everything that we would do whenever we assemble together, no matter whether it's Sunday morning or in the middle of the afternoon and we're just digging a ditch, no matter what we would do, that it would truly be edifying to all involved and that God would be glorified in it. But if it's actually going to be edifying, then God is going to have to be the author of it. Amen? You say, well, what if I have a responsibility to give a devotion for that? Then you better ask God to make it worth listening to or it's not going to be worth listening to. Amen? Do you understand? If it doesn't have the power of the Holy Ghost, then it's just teaching. And it might be vain teaching at that. Amen? Oh, anyway. So he said, I've commanded, I've done what I'm supposed to do. And he said, no, you haven't done what you're supposed to do. Now, John read all of it. I don't think we need to read all of it. Right? Let's go, let's go to the end, though. Let's go to the end. Verse 19 says, wherefore then, this is in chapter 15 of, of 1 Samuel chapter 15, right? 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 19. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said unto listen to how he's, listen to this. I'm telling you, it's like talking to a four-year-old. And Saul said unto Samuel, and now listen, and before you get too hard on Saul, think about some of the conversations you've had with God. And Saul said unto Samuel, yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agad, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people, it's always somebody else's fault, but the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, but, but for good reason, to sacrifice them unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken 
than the fat of rams. For rebellion, put a, I've got a box around this in my notes. For rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft and stubbornness. I have a box around that one also. You can, if you want to know what, what God deals with me about, you can just take my Bible and look at it. For rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected thee from being king. Now, by the way, it's going to go on in verse uh, 24. It's going to go on and say, um, I have sinned. And that sounds great. But if you go down to verse 30, it says, I have sinned, honor me now, right? He said, I have sinned, yet honor me now. So here's, look, look up here. This is really important. This is critically important. David is going to be guilty also. The next king of Israel is going to be guilty also. And when David is confronted with sin and said, thou art the man, David's going to say, I am. Please don't let Israel suffer because of what I've done. I'm guilty. Please don't let them suffer. Here's what Saul said. I am. Now put me back where I belong. Right? That's all he cared about. He said, in fact, if you read the, we don't have time to read it all. He says, look, you're right, I've sinned, and I'm sorry, but I need you to walk with me when we go stand in front of the people, because I need them to see you beside me, because it's really going to matter for my leadership that you're still there. And, and, and Samuel's going to say, God's rejecting, it's over. It's over. It's over. God's rejected you from being the king. Now, let me say this. You say, well, so what's up with Saul? Is Saul saved, lost? If you go on and look at Saul's end, it's a terrible end, right? Saul's going to be, he's going to be, you know, it says that uh, rebellion is, is the sin of witchcraft. Well, by the end, Saul's going to literally be involved in witchcraft. He's going to do anything he can. He's going to talk to this guy. i got to talk to Samuel again. It's like Samuel's dead. I can cover that. I can talk to a witch. Samuel's going to say, I'm, this, is, this is a paraphrase, just in case you don't recognize what I say. Dude, what are you doing? You, you can't do this. This is why you were rejected as the king. You're going to die today. You're going to die today. And he hangs up the phone. That's it. It's over. Do you understand? It's important. There's a difference between ignorance and, and continuing and pretending that you're something that you're not. There's a difference. Let me ask you this. Let me say this is, this is uh, one of the things. Typically when we look at a, a passage that deals with extreme judgment like this one does, there are two things that happen. The people who love God and really want to walk to him with him become very concerned, sometimes overly so. And the people that it really should be overly concerned are like, well, that's not for me. And I cannot tell you, I, I cannot, listen to me, I cannot tell you who you are. I cannot tell you. But I do know this. If your heart is not right with God, God knows it. If you are not under the blood, then you are not under the blood. And it will manifest itself like it manifests itself in Saul's life. Turn with me. One last passage and we'll be done. One last passage. It's John, uh, it's, uh, John chapter 8. Go to John chapter 8. This was not in my notes until after. I, I printed out. James, you have this. 
as a separate insert. John chapter 8, beginning in verse 21. John chapter 8, beginning in verse 21. I want you to listen to what's said here. And I want the Lord to just apply it to every heart as only the Holy Spirit can. In fact, Father, you're the only one that knows. You're the only one that knows the difference between saying you believe and believing. You're the only one that knows in each and every heart. And so, Lord, we commit this to you in Jesus' name. John chapter 8, verse 21. Then said Jesus again unto them, to this multitude of people that are listening, I go my way and you shall seek me and shall die in your sins. Whether I go, you cannot come. Then said the Jews, will he kill himself? Because he said, whether I go, you cannot come. And he said unto them, ye are from beneath. I am from above. Ye are of this world. I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you, ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Then said they unto him, who art thou? And Jesus said unto them, even the same that I said unto you from the beginning, I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true. And I speak, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake of them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then ye shall know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as the Father hath taught me, I speak these, I speak these things. And he that sent me, is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always the things that please him. And as he spake these words, now underline this, and as he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to the Jews which believed on him. Now, verse 31 is speaking to who? Anybody, can anybody help me with this? It says, then said Jesus to the Jews which believed on him. So who's the audience? The, the one, say, at verse 30 says, and as he spake these words, many believed on him, right? So, so it says that when he was saying to a group of people, you are not mine, that some of them heard him say that and said, we believe that. We believe that that's true. And it says, and then he says to that group, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So they are not yet free. They have heard what Jesus said. They agree with what Jesus is saying. And he's saying, that's wonderful. So out of the group of people that were all fighting against him, a subset of them said, we hear what you're saying and we agree with you. And he turns to them and says, that's good. And if you'll continue in my word, you can be my disciple. And you'll know the truth, and the truth will do what? Make you free. You're not free, but you can be free. Peter, James, John, they're already free. You too can be free if you'll continue in my word. Now, notice what they said. In verse 33, they answered him, we be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man, which is really bizarre given the fact that they're under Roman rule at the very time they're making this statement. By the way, and they wanted him to set them free from Roman rule. How sayest thou ye shall be made free? Now listen to the answer, because it isn't about Rome. Then answered, then Jesus answered them, verse 34, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, 
but the Son abideth ever. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. Now look up here. Now you tell me, honestly, you tell me. Isn't there a difference between agreeing, believing, and with your whole heart, believing? Yes or no? This is important. Tell me how important this is. And this is the answer. It's eternally important. Not internally important. It's eternally important. What are you trusting? And if what you're trusting is your understanding of the Word of God, that's not enough. Don't trust your understanding. Your understanding of the Word of God is a lousy thing to lean on, right? You need to lean on the God that gave His Word. Now, here's the difference. Here's the difference. So John and I are talking about spreadsheets or databases, either one. And if we're talking about spreadsheets and databases, I'm the one going like this. Sure, sure, sure. Because I don't care about nor really understand spreadsheets and databases that much. John does. So he says, um, if you keep listening to me, I can help you to understand these things. And if I say, uh, okay, listen, because I trust you, I will listen to you. Do you understand the difference? Not I understand. Listen, this is really important. If I trusted my understanding of what he says, then I take what he says and I say, oh, I understand. James and I, James Sanders and I had one of these this morning. I said something to him. He said something back. He misunderstood what I said. I misunderstood what he said. Then we had a conversation that lasted five minutes where we were trying to correct each other and realize, oh, we just misunderstood each other from the very beginning. So here's what happens. If I take what he says and take my understanding of it and say, I'm going to just live according to my understanding of what God says, and that's going to be good, God says, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. What if you don't understand yet? What if, what if I need to say something? What if I need to clarify myself through my word what it is that you need? That won't be necessary, Lord. I got it, right? God is, not, listen, this is important. God is asking you to trust his word, not as a magical book, but it's his word. Do you understand? And this, this is important. So now I go home with the spreadsheet information. I open Excel, right? I know that much, right? I open Excel and I'm working on the spreadsheet. And I said, okay, he said something about auto summing. And I grab a bunch of things and I hit auto sum and it says E-R-R-O-R. -R -R. And I say, that's not what I was looking for. But you know what I do? I call him. And I say, John, Apparently, my understanding is not what you were saying at all. Can you help me? Because the source is what matters. Amen? Do you understand? You and I do not... Listen, today where you are in your walk with God is not a perfect walk. Neither is mine. But I, I mean this with all my heart. I do trust the one that gave me the book. I do trust the one that said it is finished. I trust him. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Not, listen, I'm not trying to be, it's hard to say this because people misunderstand. You can use this as a rabbit's foot, right? You can use this book as a rabbit's foot. This book is not a rabbit's foot. It's alive. It's quick. 
and powerful. But it's quick and powerful because of the author. Amen? Because the author can use the book. And the Holy Ghost who lives within you will teach you the book as you will humble yourself and say, Lord, don't let me be Saul. Don't let me be Saul. I have Saul-like qualities. Amen? I have, Saul, I have, I have, I have Saul-like qualities. I don't want to be shipwrecked. I don't want to be lost. I don't want to be, I don't want, I don't want to be like that. Rescue me from me. Amen? This is what God wants to do for all of us. Now, let me say this and I'll be done. The group of people that Jesus is speaking to say that they're fine, but they're not fine. And Jesus knows that they're not fine. I remember being saved. I do. Anybody remember being saved here? Anybody ever wonder whether you actually were saved after you were saved? Anybody ever behave in such a way that you'd say, not sure that a saved person could have done that? Yeah, me too. A number of times when I was a baby Christian, I, I, I remember many times. I remember one time literally walking, going out to Mount Trashmore. Isn't it funny that one of the highest places in our entire area is a pile of, dirt, a pile of trash? I went out to Mount Trashmore. I was living not far. I was living down in Independence then. Uh, and I went out to Mount Trashmore. I pulled my car and I pulled up to Mount Trashmore. I walked about halfway up the side of Mount Trashmore. And I just laid there on my face on Mount Trashmore. What a sight it must have been. And just said, Lord, if I'm not saved, save me. And if you don't save me, I won't be saved. I do not understand how I can think or do some of the things that I've done since I believe you saved me. But if I'm not saved, then please save me now. And I, this is what I knew, that, that all that come unto him, will he will in. So if I didn't really come last time, then I'm really coming this time, right? And I remember thinking, boy, what a stupid thing it must be to God for me to keep doubting whether he's done something or not. And then I heard Dr. Sell say this, drive, drive a stake a mile deep that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know that you're saved. God, has, God would be disappointed if you questioned the power of the blood, but he's never going to be disappointed if you question whether you've ever trusted the blood or not. There's a difference between those two things. Make sure that you're really trusting the Lord Jesus Christ and his shed blood. It is finished if you've trusted him. If you haven't trusted him, if you just have church, if you just have religion, you don't have salvation. But if you've got Christ, and again, not the Christ of your understanding, but the Christ of the Bible, then it is well, it is well with your soul. Amen? And this is, this is the great news. The great news is this. God wants to keep us from those that would cause us to not know the truth, those that would cloud it in any way. And he will, and he will. But he says, but be careful. Be careful. He's saying to the church, to the church, he's saying this, be careful because there are people who will lead you away from the word of God. The word of God. Say it with me. The word of God. The God of the word. Plus nothing. Plus nothing. There's no new revelation. There's the word of God. And there's a God who gave his word. Now you want to understand the word of God? Then praise God for the Holy Ghost because he's in you to teach you. Amen? Yes? What's really remarkable is if you've actually gained from this this morning, if you've gained anything really true this from this morning as a born-again Christian, then what it says is that the Holy Ghost will teach you all things. In fact, it says you don't need a teacher. The irony, you say, then what do we come and listen to you for? And, the, and there is an answer. There's a biblical answer for that, because it is my responsibility to unify us that we walk in such a way that the people that see us would say, those people have nothing in common. 
and yet they love each other and us. They're, it's a marvelous thing, and we, and we would all say, yeah, that's because that's what Jesus does. That's why we assemble together. We do not assemble. You do not need me to grow in grace in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. And yet it is my responsibility that you would grow in grace in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. And the Bible, by the way, says, obey them that watch over you that have the, because they watch for your you know, souls. And I care about your souls. And that's why I care that you not let anybody deceive you with anything other than the word of God. Just the word of God. Just trust the word of God. Don't let anybody twist the word of God. The word of God agrees with itself. If somebody, can, if somebody says, I got seven verses, and I'll tell them to you over and over and over and over and over again, and I'm going to tell you that these seven verses mean these things. It's like, yeah, but, but what about the rest of the... No, don't worry about the rest of the Bible. The Holy Ghost will teach you everything you need to know from these seven verses that I'm giving you. That's nonsense. Cover to cover, right? The word of God, the whole thing, the whole counsel of God. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us this time together today. Lord, I don't know what the song is we're about to sing, but Lord, I pray that as we would sing it, that those of us that are your children would rejoice that we are your children. Lord, if there's anybody here today who doesn't know, help, let us be a help to them that they can know. Again, they do not need us other than perhaps to be a help. They do need you. They need you and your word, and that's all they really need. An honest heart you and, and your word. But Lord, perhaps one of us, some of us, any of us could help them to know the forgiveness of sins through the blood of Christ. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. In Jesus' name, amen.